Hello, STEM Nation. Jeff here, and welcome to episode number 41 of STEM on Fire, where we interview practicing professionals in the area of science, technology, engineering, and math to help guide students interested in STEM careers. If you like what you hear, please share it with a friend. Now let's get fired up with our guest, Mark, and I hope our chat will help ignite your passion towards a STEM career. Mark Kegel earned a Bachelor of Science degree in civil engineering from the University of Notre Dame in 2009. He has worked on road, railroad, and landfill projects and currently works at Kleinfelder, working as a project manager for design of an 80-mile natural gas pipeline. Welcome to the show, Mark. Fill any gaps and share a bit of your personal life. Uh, Thank you for having me on the show first, Jeff. Really appreciate it. So to kind of fill in the gaps there, my background is specifically in industrial engineering. So those specific road, railroad projects you mentioned were all in support of a variety of power plant and uh, fertilizer type installations. So I'm mostly, as you kind of hinted at, a energy engineer. Okay, Mark, thanks for that background. And let's dig in here. So you've worked on many of the projects that you just described. What are some of the, the most interesting projects that you worked on and enjoyed the most? I'll start with the most recent one, which was actually the most difficult one I've ever dealt with. So to kind of be quick about it here, it was a two-mile pipeline that connected to a regulator station for natural gas. And the reason I enjoyed this project so much was the project was within both a floodplain and a wetland. So I had never dealt with a project of that nature before. Usually we have tried to avoid those types of sites at all possible. But this client basically said, this is the property land we have. Work through the permitting as best you can. So it was interesting to go through and learn a lot about how the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers deals with permits and wetlands and actually have to deal with the state of Florida and how you actually kind of deal with the the firm maps and what they actually look at. And in addition to that, the client was a little more difficult because they're more specific about they want what they wanted. And in the course of the project, I was the lead civil engineer, but halfway through the project, my project manager decided that he no longer wanted to work for the company and left and kind of foisted me into a role that I did not know I was going to have. It was a trial by fire, and I would say it's probably one of the most stressful points of my life, but I would never change anything about it. It was it was so much fun to learn about mechanical engineering, learn about permitting, learn about client interaction, learn about, I'm sure people have mentioned this before on other podcasts, how you do change orders, how you do client management. It was just, it was very cool. Yeah, that sounds pretty interesting, Mark. And I'll say if you're not uncomfortable, you're not growing. So I think that was a great challenge for him. You, had, you lived up to the challenge. Yeah, it was. I'm At the time, I was not happy to be doing it. But now looking back, oh, man, I'm very glad that I did that at 29 as opposed to, to 40. So, Mark, you said that you had like an, it indicated like an industrial engineering. What did you mean by that since you have a civil engineering degree? I am primarily a civil site engineer, but the industries I've serviced or been a part of would be power, meaning all varieties from transmission and distribution lines for electrical power, as well as solar site development, those big solar farms that are popping up all over the country right now, new natural gas power plants, air quality control upgrades to existing coal-fired power plants. Basically, anything you could think of, I've been a part of nuclear. I have not had the opportunity to do geothermal yet. So, Mark, you work for a consulting company. What would be your specific area of expertise if you could hone in on that? 
it would be stormwater uh, and civil site. So as you kind of alluded to at the beginning there, roads, railroads, grading and drainage, stormwater permitting, underground utilities such as sanitary and stormwater pipes, assisting and permitting, basically everything outside of the building is how I would describe it, or whatever the structure is that would be constructed. So somebody interested in high school, so this podcast is targeted towards high school students thinking about STEM careers, and looking at civil engineering, is are you out in the field a lot, or are you behind the desk, you know, filing for permits with different... Uh, organizations, different cities, or what does a, what does a day look like for you? 20 to 25% of my time is actually out in the field. We do a lot of site visits to one, when we initially get a project or are bidding on a project, you go physically visit, all right, this is where we want to put the power plant. This is where we want to put the pipeline. And then while the project is actually being constructed, you go out to check in, see how things are going. If the contractor has a question, you know, you pick up, go out to the field and try to see what they're actually talking about. So a, a typical day for me right now, since I've taken on larger role with kind of business development and client uh, interface would be, I usually get in at 7.30 in the morning, go through my email. I primarily am directing the junior staff in the calculations and creation of construction documents, be that drawings or specifications, uh, as well as, I guess, interfacing with the clients, making sure we're meeting schedule or within the cost and the budget that we have. Let's get specific here. And what is one thing that really has you fired up about civil engineering? I don't know if anyone has mentioned on the podcast before, but the ASCE Grand Challenge on Innovation I haven't had time to really try to dig into that, but the idea and reading about it just sounds awesome. And for those who haven't heard about it, ASCE and basically the construction industry and engineering industry itself are trying to basically become more sustainable. There's this realization that we've been designing this country with very short design life. So, i.e., we're designing roads for 25 years. What we're trying to do is extend that as long as possible with more renewable, reusable, and sustainable products. Uh, to kind of mimic what nature intended. So, Mark, with the ASCE Grand Challenge, is that you know targeted to the civil engineering community, or can anybody get involved? Can you be in college, or you know, give us some more information on that? While it's primarily targeted towards civil engineers who are practicing professionals, it is open to anyone. So, to give you an example, one of last year's winners was a collegiate student. And I believe his degree was in electrical engineering. And what his idea was to promote the use of drones to support the construction process and do aerial photography. No one should feel limited that it's just to civil engineers. It's open to anyone who has an idea. Okay, Mark. So I'll, I'll go find some information on that. I'll put that into the show notes. And if you're a high school student thinking about civil engineering, go take a look at the link in the show notes, ASCE Grand Challenge. You can probably just search that on your search engine and find the information and see if that's of interest to you. And Mark, we're going to go to an aha moment. Um, could you take us to a moment in time of an incredible aha moment you've had and tell us the story and how you turned that aha moment into success? It actually had to do with that project I mentioned earlier. I was traveling from uh, on a work trip, and I stopped for lunch between flights, and I got to talking to the individual next to me. And, you know, you, people get stressed out, so you this person was pretty willing to talk to me. So I kind of vented to him just about the challenges I was go, undergoing with this project. And he sat there, and God bless this guy. And he listened to my whole rant, and he turns to me at the end and says, that's a great story, Mark. 
So the ending is going to be great when you turn that completely around. And I kind of looked at him and it kind of dawned on me that, you know, he's totally right. The project right now is very stressful, very taxing, but we're starting over right now. We can make this project as successful as I want it to. I just need to realize that and get over what's happened in the past and make it a success. So just that has always stuck with me that no matter what you're going through, where you are, the past is the past. You can make your own outcome. Was that a change in your mindset? Is that what had to take place? Yes. It it took somebody completely removed from the situation to kind of say, you're stuck in this kind of downward spiral in terms of thought process. Just pull yourself out and think about the reality in the whole world. Thanks for that great aha moment, Mark. And we're going to go back to when you're 18, probably about 10 to 15 years ago for you, heading off to college. What are some things that you think STEMers would need to know so that they can get through these challenging STEM curriculums successfully? Ask questions of your high school teachers and take as many math and science classes as you can because college professors will be willing to help you in your career, but your high school teachers know what, if you communicate with them early about what you would like to do, for the most part, they will try to support you and give you more time than you're going to get from a college professor. So don't be afraid to interact with them or ask questions or just show, show that you care. High school students out there, you know, you may, you may look at your teachers as just the teacher, but they're willing to help. They may not show it, but if you go and show interest in in the, the information that they're teaching, uh, they're going to help you more than you believe that you think they can. Mark, as you went from college into your career, and we just talked about kind of a, a mindset shift, but what are some other attributes you think STEMers need to be successful as they transition from college into their careers? I think the biggest one was the comment you made earlier, Jeff, just getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. You're not going to know everything. You're probably not going to know very much when you make the transition from college to professional, but that's okay. People don't expect you to know everything. What they want you to do is just try and ask questions and come to them with some thoughts in mind when you go ask those questions. You need to ask specific questions, not just open-ended, tell me how to do this. Yeah, so STEM Nation, don't be afraid to ask questions. You know, we, we talked about this a little bit in the past in the podcast is do some due diligence. You have to do the due diligence. Come with insightful questions on specific things that your mentor or a colleague could answer. And again, like your high school students, those colleagues that you have, they're going to be more than willing to help you out. So don't be afraid to ask questions. And we're going to take a quick pause here and thank our sponsor, Audible, who is offering a free audiobook. You can head over to stemonfirebook.com. That's stemonfirebook.com to get a free audiobook of your choosing. If you decide to cancel within 30 days, there's no cost and you keep the audiobook. And Mark, it is time for the lightning round. Are you ready? Yes, sir. What's the best piece of advice you have ever received? The best piece of advice I've ever received is get a notebook and use that notebook because you're not going to remember everything that a person tells you. Absolutely. Writing it down, there's times, STEM Nation, where you'll write things down in a notebook, and it's like, well, why do I need to write this down? You probably will never go back and look at that in some cases, but the act of writing it will will help ingrain that into your memory. And Mark, what's a personal habit that contributes to your success? Oh, it's the notebook. Writing, Writing it down. To your point, Jeff, I can't tell you how many times... A client or my boss has asked me a question 
And I just turn the page five days back and go, yep, we talked about this. This was the task. These are the details as much as I have. Or, Mark, do you remember this conversation? And while I might not have all that information, I can at least give them tiny details that help jog that memory. And what's your favorite internet resource or phone app? The latest one I've been using is Pomodoro on my phone. Is that the 24-minute technique? Yes. So explain that for STEM Nation. So I don't think I'm alone in saying that sometimes I have trouble focusing just with the constant information age and all these notifications on your phone. What Pomodoro method is, is it's an app where I put it next to my computer and it's a countdown clock. And I think there's nine countdowns, but basically it's 25 minutes on where you are solely focused on work, then five minutes off where you can check your email, check Facebook, check your social media accounts, whatever you need to do. And once that five minutes are over, you start the next cycle. So I found that forcing myself to go through that is the right amount of time that I can focus without having to like to go back. If it's anything longer than that amount, I start to waver and not be as much as productive as I should be. Yeah, Mark and STEM Nation, you know, that, you know, if you're in college and you're having problems studying, you've got your phone there, you're always checking text or Snapchat or whatever you kids are doing these days, you need to put that phone down. You can use it as an app to 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 put a timer down and go, you know what, for the next 24 or 25 minutes or 12 minutes, I'm going to focus on this task and do nothing else. And you'll be amazed at what you can accomplish in a short amount of time without interruptions. And I think too, Jeff, communication with younger engineers, when they're starting out, you don't know how long a task will take you. And while the older engineer will probably say, all right, I expect this to be done by noon tomorrow, you as a younger engineer need to find out how long is it actually going to take you to do this task. Because eventually, the older engineer is just going to say, here is the task, please, and just tell you to do it. Absolutely. So allocate time, just like in college, you don't know how long that homework is going to take. So start early and get it done. And Mark, what's one book you recommend? I would recommend The Kane Mutiny. It's the best book I've ever read. The Kane Mutiny. Check it out in the show notes. And Mark, as we wrap up here, could you share a parting piece of guidance for STEM Nation? And then we will say goodbye. There's never been a better time to be an engineer. There's so many opportunities, so many different things. I go to a lot of networking events to talk to a variety of different types of engineers, electrical, chemical, computer, computer science engineers, and the opportunities of things you can work on are just boundless. I mean, it's truly impressive to see what we can do, and regardless of where you went to school or your background. All right, Mark, and with that, we will say goodbye. Thank you, Jeff. You're welcome. I hope you enjoyed that chat today with Mark. You can head over to stemonfire.com, subscribe to the email list to keep up with the latest happenings, and be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast player. And please share it with a friend. Tune in next week where we talk with Neil, who is a battery storage engineer. Until next time, I hope this chat has helped ignite your passion towards a STEM career.